So today, the title of the message is Judgmental. Uh-oh, right? This is going to be a tough one for all of us, for me. There once was a man and a child who were traveling with a donkey. As they passed through the first village, the man had led a donkey behind him, and the child walked there beside him. But the people there in that village said that the old man was a fool for not riding this sturdy donkey. You've got a donkey. Why aren't you just riding it? So seeking to please the crowd, he climbed on the donkey. In the next village, the people said the old man was cruel for riding the donkey and making his child walk behind him. So the man got off and he put the child on the donkey. In the third village, people said that the child was lazy for letting the old man walk behind, so they both got on the donkey. In the fourth village, the onlookers said the poor donkey was overworked. So last they saw either one of the man and the child, they were carrying the donkey down the road out of the town. We live in a very judgmental world today. Everybody's got opinions, not just about uh, their own things, but about your stuff. We live in a judgmental world and you felt it and you've seen it. We see it in the news. We see it at work. We see it in our own family. We have lost the art of giving people the benefit of the doubt. Hey, look, maybe they aren't pure evil, right? Maybe they aren't out to get me. Maybe it actually was just a mistake or a misunderstanding, and this isn't some grand conspiracy against me. But as Christians, we are experts on judgment, and I'm one of the worst. This is going to be a hard message for us to hear today. It's going to step on our toes a little bit. Because we've been sitting on the bench with our gavel, dropping verdicts left and right. We judge people in our sleep. And a judge means to come to a conclusion about someone. This is who they are, and this is what motivates them. They are a bad person, and I am a good person. See, that's the problem with this whole thing, is that to look down on someone, we have to lift ourselves up. Brendan Manning said this, he said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and they walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That's what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Now, before you completely turn me off, no, I'm not saying that there is no right and wrong. Okay, I'm not saying that warning people that their sin is hurting them is being judgmental. We have to have both love and truth. There is such thing as good and bad actions, but the problem is, is when we draw conclusions about good and bad people. And don't get me wrong either here. I'm not saying everybody is basically good. No, we're saying there is only one category, bad people. And all of us are in it. The Bible calls it sinners. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's where we all are. We're all in that same boat and that boat is sinking. Yes, look, other people may commit sins that make you more uncomfortable than your own sin does. But we're all in that same boat. See, we get in trouble when we put ourselves in the good category. See, the only thing good about me is that Jesus was willing to die for me for some reason. 
And the only righteousness I have was gifted to me by Jesus Christ on that sacrifice on the cross. Romans 10, uh, 3, excuse me, Romans 3, 10 through 12. It says it in a uh, very, very convincing way. None is righteous. Okay, we got it. No, wait, I'm going to keep going, right? Paul says, look, I got more. Don't stop there. None is righteous. No, not one. All right, Paul, we get it. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. Jeez, Paul, back off, man. No one seeks after God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. All right, Paul, we get, no, not even one. He nails it down. That drops us all down a peg, right? That just kicked us off our pedestal. Not even one. No one. How many people? None. How many people? All are sinners. The sin of being judgmental doesn't come into play because you are right and they are wrong. It isn't a logical or a moral problem. The sin comes in when we believe and act on the assumption that I am good and upright and righteous and they are evil and bad and wicked. See, oh sure, we're not probably going to say that out loud, but we act on those assumptions. Now look, of course we believe the Bible. The Bible is true. Right is right and wrong is wrong. Murder is wrong. It's bad. Homosexuality is not God's plan. Drug addiction is killing people. Abuse is wrong, but so is lying. So is gossip. So is pride, arrogance. So is being judgmental. It is not the amount of sin, but the presence of sin that makes us sinners. These sins that we deem as acceptable, they are still sin. You're not better than anyone, and neither am I. We're all sinners. I am desperately wicked, and yet unbelievably loved. That goes for every person in the pew. That goes for every person in a prison. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, and every person is standing in the need of prayer. Y'all ever sing that song growing up? It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. This is my favorite part. And I'm a mom and I'm a sister, but it's me, oh Lord. It's me. I'm the one that needs it. I'm the one that needs prayer. But when we see someone else's sin, we feel a little bit of relief, right? At least I'm not that bad, right? At least I'd never do something like that. Now look, yes, their sin is wrong, but it's wrong because it's hurting them. It's separating them from God. It's not to judge them. It's to have compassion on them because all sin leads to death. It should push us to remember when we see someone else's sin, it should push us to remember our own forgiven sin. Sin that God allowed us to overcome and praise him for it. Back in the day, they used to say, if not for the grace of God, how do you end it? There go I. I. If not for the grace of God, I could be in that position. If things went differently, that could be me. I'm not better than that person. I can't help anyone when I'm standing behind the judge's bench. Why? Because I am not innocent. So compassion, not judgment, is what makes the difference. Jude verse 22, and some have compassion making a difference. 
And others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Compassion is what makes the difference. Reject the sin, but love and help the sinner. But we don't, this is a balance, right? We don't neglect the truth of God's word in order to be nice. We must have both love and truth. If we lie to people about their sin, that God's okay with it, that's not grace and compassion either. But if we just yell at people about their sin and write them off as those people that can never be helped, that's not grace and compassion either. It's a balance between love and truth. You can't have love for someone without the truth. See, Christians have allowed society to accept the premise that you can believe the Bible and be mean, or you cannot believe the Bible and be loving. This is a tragedy and a false dichotomy. We can and must have both love and truth. J.D. Greer says, the prevailing idea today is that the only path to peaceful dialogue is through compromise. Through holding on to, uh, uh, to through, excuse me, through holding our beliefs less strongly. That's what people think. If the more that we act like we all believe the same things, the more we'll get along. And then he says, but that's not dialogue. That's delusion. We cannot neglect the truth in order to compromise and to be nice to each other. But we can have both compassion and conviction. We must... Uh, as followers of Jesus, stand firm on grace and truth. One of the most popular Bible verses today is Matthew 7, 1, and it says, judge not, right? People love to throw, people that aren't even Christian, they don't even believe in God, but they'll throw that at you, right? Judge not. We use that as a convenient way to keep people off our backs. You can't tell me I'm wrong. But see, the problem with that is Jesus definitely told people they were wrong in their actions. Like, a lot. Like, the whole New Testament, right? So that can't be what he meant. Telling people that they're making mistakes is not judgment. See, when Jesus denounced judging, he wasn't telling us to stop assessing opinions or behaviors. Instead, he was telling us to avoid a graceless, critical uh, posture that writes other people off that tells them the truth while pushing them away. That's the attitude that we must run from. So how do I know if I'm being judgmental? I'm glad you asked. What a coincidence. I've got seven signs this morning from J.D. Greer that we're being judgmental. You ready to get punched in the soul? Here we go. We're being judgmental. One, if we are more enraged at someone else's sin than our own. We're being judgmental for war enraged by someone else's sin than our own. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, one of the first signs of Christian maturity is to be frustrated by the hypocrisy in the church and the desire to separate from it. But the next step is to realize that some of that hypocrisy in the church is present in oneself. No matter how long you've been a Christian, we all have blind spots. Those areas in us that we need to work on should humble us and to remind us that we are standing in need of God. Often we have beams in our eyes and we're trying to help people with specks in theirs. 
Paul Tripp says, while we're blind to our own sin, which is convenient, right? We're blind to our own sin, but other people have 20-20 vision. So we'd be wise to do more listening than pointing fingers. We're being judgmental if we're more enraged by someone else's sin than our own. Number two, we're being judgmental if we refuse to forgive. Or when we forgive, we refuse to forget. To refuse to forgive someone is to be intentionally ignorant of the enormity of what God has forgiven you. In light of God's forgiveness on us, we should be ready and willing to forgive anyone. To forgive but not to forget. We hear that a lot, right? I can forgive you, but I can't forget. That is a distinction without a difference. There is no difference. If I'm not going to forget, that's not forgiveness. Forgiving means absorbing the debt and offering only love and goodness in return with no strings attached. Now, will you forget that the event happened? No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about not holding it over someone else's head. Leave it in the past. Stop living in it. Ephesians 4.32 spells it out. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. The same type of forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers you, he wants you to offer that to other people. Number three, we're being judgmental if we cut off those that disagree with us. Ooh, that's a common thing today, right? This is the essence of judging. You say we can't have a relationship because we disagree about this issue. One of the biggest betrayals in history was when Judas kissed Jesus in the garden. But Jesus still called Judas a friend. And he still, knowing this was going to happen before this, he still washed his feet, got on his knees and washed Judas' feet, knowing that moment was coming. Jesus modeled for us that we must love the person we disagree with more than we love their agreement on a particular issue. Why? Because that is a person made in the image of God and all life has value and they have a soul that will someday spend eternity somewhere. We must remain committed to maintaining relationships with people that disagree with us. Number four, we're being judgmental if we gossip. Gossip is judging because it condemns the person we're talking about. And instead of directly confronting someone like the Bible tells us to, we deny them the ability to defend themselves. And we write them off as flawed and worthy of our scorn. What's even worse is we do all this without even letting that person know what we're doing. Sometimes they don't even know that there's a problem between you and them. We aren't offering a chance for restoration or for change. We aren't giving them the benefit of the doubt. In our minds, we have enough evidence to convict them and to condemn them and to judge them. We gossip about our friends. We gossip about our family, our church family, the staff, the church council. But in every one of those situations, instead of gossiping and talking about someone, uh, uh, someone to someone that doesn't have anything to do with the problem, And trying to convince that person that someone else is worthy of blame. The right thing to do in every situation is to go to that person. We're a family. And if there's ever a situation with someone in the church, the loving and right thing to do is go directly to that person. Not behind their backs. Sister, talk to your brother. Aunt, talk to your niece. Friend, go and talk to somebody. 
And here's a quick sidebar. If you ever have a question about the decision that maybe the church council makes, the correct thing to do is to bring that to the church council. Maybe you don't have all the information. They would welcomely love to hear it. We don't need to hide behind anonymity or try and start a movement of anger and bitterness through gossip behind the scenes. In every situation, the biblically right thing to do is to talk directly to the people that you have an issue with. Every time, face-to-face, humbly, and speaking the truth with love. There have been so many families and churches that have been destroyed when this type of behavior is allowed to become part of the culture. But the mission is too big for the church, and our families are too important for us to let gossip and judgment creep into our culture. We must be on the same page if we want to go where God wants us to go. Proverbs tells us that one of the six things the Lord hates, right? Which we would think like, oh, God can't hate anything. This is what the Bible says. One of the six things that the Lord hates is someone that causes division in a community. That's a big deal. We can't sow discord. We must fight hard for unity and harmony. And when we have issues, we take them to the people that we have issues with, speaking grace and truth and love and walking away in relationship with each other, whether we agree or disagree. Many friends have ended relationships. Many uh, job uh, workplaces have become toxic because of gossip. We cannot tolerate gossip. And if someone tries to talk to you about an issue, the first question you should ask them is, have you talked, about, uh, talked to the person directly about this? That's the first question. No? You haven't? Well, would you like me to go with you? We could work this whole thing out. We're being judgmental if we gossip. Number five, we're being judgmental if we refuse to correct someone's position. Ironically, another way we can judge someone is by not telling them the truth. Because we feel like we know the outcome, right? I, I know what's going to happen if I tell them this, so I'm not even going to say anything. I'm just going to be bitter and mad about it. You must trust God that if you do what he tells you to do, to go directly to the person you have an issue with, that he will bless it. And you must give the benefit of the doubt that if you lovingly share with them the truth, that they will listen. You got to do it the right way. You can't come in with criticism and judgment. You've got to come in with love and grace, but share the truth. Why? Because God has the power to change minds. And if we believe that and we trust that, all we can do is be obedient. Number six, we're judgmental if we refuse to receive criticism. If we refuse to receive criticism, criticism is hard, it's not any fun. But if you see yourself as more righteous than uh, other people, then you will just refuse to receive criticism from them. If you say, no, wait a minute, I'm not the one that's supposed to be judged. I'm the one that's supposed to be in the judge's chair. You've messed this whole thing. No, you're not supposed to criticize me. I'm up here and you're down there. We're all in the same boat. We're all only sinners that are saved by grace. And you and I have big flaws. So when criticism comes our way, we need to look at that criticism and see if maybe that critic is right. And if so, that's okay. It's okay to be wrong. You're not any less loved by the one that made you. You're desperately wicked, but unbelievably loved. So accept it and make it right and move on. Now, 
Not every critic is helpful. Some critics are flat out hurtful. So take the meat and spit out the bones, right? Take what you can out of it. Look if it's true, investigate it, and if there's something to it, then change. But if someone's just being hurtful and mean, then understand that they must be struggling with something, right? There must be something behind that that you don't understand because hurt people hurt people. But we're sinners. And sometimes the critics are right. So that's what we need to do. We need to ask ourselves, is this criticism something to act on or something to forget? And lastly, we become judgmental when we write someone off as hopeless. If we write people off as lost causes, then we don't understand the gospel. No sin is too big. No hole is too deep. No brokenness is past healing. As long as someone has breath, there is hope that the gospel can change them. Every single one of us most likely would have written off murderous Pharisee Paul. But God didn't. If they aren't dead, God's not done. If they aren't dead, God's not done. There is hope. The gospel has the power to save anyone who believes. The gospel has the power to change anyone. There's hope. Seven signs we're being judgmental. If we're more enraged at someone else's sin than our own. If we refuse to forgive, or when we forgive, we refuse to forget. If we cut those off that disagree with us. If we gossip. If we refuse to correct someone's position. We refuse to receive criticism. If we write someone off as hopeless, then we're being judgmental. And we need to preach the gospel to our own hearts to remember where we came from. To remember that we're not better than anyone else. That we are desperately wicked. We're in no place to judge anyone. And yet we're unbelievably loved. And God did so much to make a way for us to get to him. Studies show that people are more comfortable talking to an IRS agent than an evangelical Christian. Ouch. Then you got someone like Dan, who's both. I don't know what you do with that. <laughs> uh, we just had coffee the other day. We had a great time. Talked about the Steelers. <laughs> but look, we don't have the best reputation as being the nicest people in the world. And this is a big part of it, right? We can have the truth, but if we don't have grace, then we'll hurt people and tear people down. Compassion makes a difference. We must fight hard for a culture of love and grace for each other. This doesn't mean that we, uh, we can't disagree. This doesn't mean that we pretend that everything is kumbaya and we sit around the fire and hold hands and we don't have any differences. It doesn't mean that. It means we can disagree, but we handle it in a biblical way. Have the hard conversations. But lace it with love and give each other the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to get to a place where this could never be said of me. This quote we read before by Brandon Manning. That the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, but walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That's what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Look, if someone disagrees with your position, but you presented it in the most loving way possible, not looking down on them, not uh, uh, putting yourself up on a pedestal, and they still leave disagreeing with you, that will happen, and that's 100% okay. It happened to Jesus too. 
But I don't ever want to be a person that thinks I'm better than other people because I've got the truth. The truth is, is that I'm a sinner and there's nothing good about me. And that's where it ends. And that there is punishment for those of us that reject Jesus. And that's the truth. And we can't shy away from the truth, but we've got to do it in a way where people will listen. And if we lift ourselves up and put ourselves in the judging chair, that'll never happen. We can't help people when we're standing behind the judge's bench. Compassion makes a difference. We all fall short. There's none righteous. No, not one. There is only one judge. We've got to give people the benefit of the doubt. We've got to give people second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. Gospel must sweep through the pews before it pours out into the streets. And we're all sinners on equal ground. We must have both love and truth. Every head's bowed and eyes closed. Worship band's going to come. This was a hard message to study, hard message to read over and over and over again, because these things are in me 100%. These things are tough. He's still working on me. We've got to continually recenter ourselves on the fact that I'm not better than anyone else. Yes, I might know the truth of God's word, but that doesn't make me a better, more valuable person. It means that I need to have compassion on this person. Because they're confused. They don't understand the truth of God's word. They might even be lost and headed for hell. God, search our hearts today, please. I know our first reaction when we hear this stuff is to bow up and to defend ourselves. I'm not that bad, right, Lord? God, help us to see where we can push this judgment out of our hearts. Help us to be people that are ready to run to the broken places. Not on a pedestal, God, but on equal ground, understanding that we are just as lost without you. And if not for the grace of God, there go I. And it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. God, remind our hearts of the enormity of the sin that you have forgiven us for the next time we look down on someone else. The next time we label them and write them off as those people that have no hope, those people that are ruining the world, or those people that are too far for your arm to reach. Lord, we love you. God, help us to be more like you. Maybe you're here today and you're not sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening online. We talked a lot about the gospel changing us and being available to everyone. We talked about how 
We're all on the same level. We're all sinners. There's no good and bad. There's only bad. And there's none righteous. No, not one. That means this sin that these times where we've broken God's law separates us from God. But God made a way for us to get to him. His name was Jesus. God in the flesh. The Trinity. God the Father. God the Holy Spirit. God the Son. All three but one. God walked among us 2,000 years ago. His name was Jesus. And he lived this life for 33 years, never once sinning, so that an innocent person could die for all of us guilty people. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You've got a gift that's out, uh, out, handed out to you right now. That gift is salvation. And you can decide whether you want to pay for your sin in a place called hell or if you want Jesus to cover your sin. Call out to him with something like this right now. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know because of my sin that I deserve hell. God, forgive me. I'm turning from my sin and I'm turning to you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. If that's you this morning, you're in person, whether you're, maybe you're online, you made that decision. It's not a, just a magic prayer. It's not just something you repeat. It's a decision in your life to turn around from everything that you hold on to, all the good works, all the great things that you've done, uh, realizing that it's empty and that only, uh, the only thing that matters is what Jesus did on the cross. If you made that choice today once and for all, I'd love for you to reach out to me after the service. I'd love to tell you about the next steps.